The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. This is the 3CR Garden Show. I'm Virginia Haywood, and with me are Ben Brooker from Treasured Perennials and Jane Tonkin from Tonkin Bulbs. Good morning, gang. Good morning. Good morning, Virginia. It's Welcome a- home. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's very nice to be home, but I have to say the Galapagos was, was a most amazing place. I can only imagine. Can I, you tell me your favourite thing you saw? I think one of the favourite things was the fact that the animals and birds are not scared of you. So you can get you have to actually watch where you put your feet or you'll tread on an iguana. And, and you don't tread on the tortoises just because they're so big. <laughs> big. <laughs> but and and the sea lions don't leave you know, don't get away from you. I mean, it's extraordinary. We got so close to blue boobies who were doing their mating dance. It oh, was wow. just fabulous. Mm. And a poor country. Yeah. And yet they have got they have managed to keep the Galapagos to themselves, all the crew on the boat were from the Galapagos. Yeah, and amazing conservation um, projects and stuff that have gone on. Um, and, I, and I think you would know that I, I don't think you're, you're got to walk very slowly. You're not allowed to make any noise and definitely not touching wildlife and mm. things like that. That um, I think they're doing an amazing job. At, the um, fact they've saving. managed to keep out the first world. There are no yeah. big hotels. There are all the boats that are there are owned by people from Ecuador and they monitor the whole thing by satellite. So when filthy rich people with their own yachts come in, they immediately get pinged for to pay for being there. Yep. It's just brilliant. It's I'd, a good thing, isn't it? Because that, that's how we lose our species when they start sort of, you know. Yeah, great big hotels. Making a spectacle of them. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this desire to put great big hotels in the wilderness in Tasmania, it's just madness. Yeah. Do it. It is. Just leave it natural. And do it, it more carefully. I mean, they have, I, I think it's five, oh, they have tens of thousands of tourists every year. Mm. But because they manage them on these boats and they don't let them, stay on the island you have to be off by six o'clock yeah you know it just makes a difference because they manage and and there aren't big hotels and so there's not sewage to deal with and you know all the rest and and they're on boats and the boats are regulated it's one thing to regulate carefully but you're also regulated to where you walk too aren't you yeah Yeah. and how many people are on any island at one time yeah which is fantastic. And, I mean, the money from the tourism is what helps with the conservation as well. Like they brought the tortoises back from, you know, there the used to be hundreds of thousands of them kind of, and they've got them back to around 15,000 or something last I heard. And, um, they, and they disappeared because they can live for a really long time without food or water. So when 
the white fellas came in, they would just take the tortoise, keep them on the boat till they were, they'd run out of food and then they'd use tortoise. Yeah. Mm. So that was one of the ways in it, which it, they got threatened. Exactly, exactly the way they got threatened. Um, and I think, you know, I'd like to see a blue-footed booby. I think that... Oh, they're fabulous. <laughs> and we didn't see them because they're right at the other end of the archipelago. But they've got red-footed boobies. They've got three different sorts okay. of boobies. We saw two, but we didn't see the red-footed, which... Mm. Yep. Reason for going back. Next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> and I also went to the Atacama Desert, which is the driest place on earth. And it was? It, yeah. But it, there was still, I mean, you know, you've got great big animals living up there. They still manage. I had trouble with my breathing. I found I couldn't get up above 13,500 feet without struggling. Whereas Sylvie, my daughter, can just float up to 15 with no trouble. Yep. Harumph. <laughs> but, you know... And I'd, it's not just age, because they say older people um, often can ha- old and young can ha- tend to be able to handle the altitude better than midlife people, you know, thirties to fifties. But Sylvie could just handle it. Yeah. Mm. And we were travelling with another friend, Bev, and she could handle it, whereas some of us just couldn't. Mm. And I was travelling with three doctors, so when I said, "I think I'll just go up to fourteen thousand feet." No, oh, you <laughs> won't, says my brother, my sister-in-law and Bev. I was overruled. Yeah. And they went up, or Bev did, and Sam, my nephew, and the the pelicans, not pelicans, the pink ones. Flamingos. The flamingos were standing and they were, were stuck. Their feet were frozen into the, into the water, the wow. lakes they were standing on, and they just had to wait there till the sun got up enough to... To defrost to, them. to defrost their feet. They're, okay, so that sounds like a case of frostbite to me. But, yeah. Well, they are migratory, so most mm. of them had gone, but still some of them were there. Yeah, and they were frozen. So in. What about the plant life? Um, a lot of things that look a bit like saltbush. One sort of cactus, which was around mm. a lot. There wasn't a lot of where people lived. You would find trees, but but even though it's the driest place on earth, it is part of. The Andes, mm. and they, we could see snow, so there's mm. snow melt. I mean, and there, you know, there is water, particularly underground. I mean, we went swimming in a warm pool, natural warm, and which was just fabulous. Wow. I, the water was so clear. Uh, it was very interesting because it's where llamas and alpacas come from. Both llamas and alpacas are bred, that they don't exist as a wild animal, mm. but the things they come from were living in that desert. And, you know, they're big animals. Mm. And there were actually llamas that were wild too because they'd just been wow. let go. And, I mean, they are so wonderful. It was, and, oh, it was just fabulous. It's really interesting. <laughs> but I'm not sure our listeners are that interested in that. I've got a couple We of did th- ask what plant life I had been. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there would be alpines up where that snow melt. Yes, yes, um, up where I wasn't allowed e- to go. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, Jenny. <laughs> it's a bit scary when you walk up, you know, a slope that you walk up every day mm. and you walk up this slope and you have to rest at the top mm. and you think, oh, my God, I must be over 80. <laughs> you know, it's just no. you go from being 40 to, well, of course, some people can die with it. I mean, you yeah. do have to take it seriously. Yep. So my um, my brother and sister-in-law, who are both doctors, made me take it seriously, which was a bit tedious. Or well, probably a good thing. Yes, probably. Yeah. We're glad they did. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I've got a couple of announcements to make, which we might, one of them we'll make again, but we'll make them now for those who are, have turned on the radio mm. and are just thinking of wandering to the kitchen to get a cup of tea. 
There is a winter pruning workshop at Burnley on the 5th of August. It's put on by the Friends of Burnley Gardens. So if you're interested in doing a winter pruning workshop on Saturday the 5th of August, look up Burnley Friends of <laughs> Friends of Burnley Gardens and you'll find that one. And then the Botanic Gardens has got Lightscape again. Which people I didn't manage to get there last I didn't year. Either. It's actually it was you did though, yeah didn't I did you? Yeah, yeah yeah people I enjoyed it about it yeah I enjoyed yeah. it mm. yeah and it's different this year so it's worth going again if you loved it last year they're not putting on the same they've they've modified it mm. and I I was there two days ago and they're just setting it all up and it just looks fabulous even without the lights you know in the middle of a okay. sunny day so that's running from. The sixth of the June the sixteenth to the sixth of August. So again, look up RGBV Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria Lightscape, and you'll find out how to book for that. And today, there is a walk at Geelong Botanic Gardens at two p.m., which is discover the fern glade. And walks at, at Geelong Botanic Gardens are always excellent. That will be taken by a friend. So you just check in at two and you'll be able to join that walk. I think that's usually a gold coin donation. And Jane, I think you've got an announcement as well. Um, yeah, I've got one from the Royal Horticultural Society of Victoria. They're having their Gardener's Day out, um, which is next weekend, actually, Saturday the 17th of June. Uh, it starts at 9.30 in the morning and it's at the Rusden Theatre at the Deakin Uni. Uh, and it, there is four guest speakers, so for the likes of Jane Edmondson, Karen Sutherland, um, who is one of our... Exactly, um, one of us. ...our team, um, Attila Cap um, Capitani and Craig Castry. Um, so there's a vast array of horticultural knowledge and things in those four speakers for the day. So that's included in the cost of the $25 entry. Um, there is an option to sort of have an additional lunch, but you have to sort of book that and pay for it as well. So, and I'd suggest that you book your tickets because the theatre only holds so many people, um, and I think it will be quite popular. But because the RHS um, support a lot of garden clubs and groups and things like that, um, you'll have the Bromeliad Society there selling, the Salvia Society, um, Cactus Society... Um, I'll be there um, selling bulbs, um, but there's a lot of other different people that you can sort of go and have a chat to about gardening and plants and things. And This is the advantage of getting these people who are either um, experts and do stuff at home or people like yourselves who've got decades, in fact, generational experience but are not available yeah. to people all the time. These places are wonderful. You know, where Ben, when you're there, and Jane, and it's a fantastic way to actually. It's like, and the other thing that is the equivalent of it is, of course, going to small nurseries mm. where you've got real experts, like, say, Craig. Craig. Yep. Our um, Craig. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Craig, um, I've got a little bit of gossip. <laughs> Goody. It's a little bit of a save the date. So, the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria are holding a conference. So the date is the 23rd of September. Um, venue sort of not announced yet or cost, but there's going to be a international guest. 
speaking. So someone from the Edinburgh Botanical Gardens. Oh, wow. One of the best gardens uh, in yes. the world. Yes. So um, he will be making his way out here and speaking at the conference and there'll be panels of discussion and things. And Craig and I are both on one of those um, as well. So that'll be fabulous. Speaking of Craig, I've just dogged him in. But yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, but he is... He is, is so interesting. It, yeah. So if anyone hasn't been up to Craig's Nursery, Gentiana up in Alinda, um, go up and have a look and have a chat to Craig because he has some of the most amazing um, different perennials and things that you can have be- a look at. Be- I'm, although I, I sort of dropped out of my presenter role into you guys last night because I – or no – Two nights ago, because I decided, oh, what if we've got nothing to talk, talk about? about. Yep. So I brought in some plants, which is not my role, it's your role. But nevertheless, one of the ones I brought in is this one. Do either of you recognise it? I don't know. No. no. See, neither of them recognise it. Isn't that exciting? It's Eriocephalus <laughs> africanus. And it's in my garden at the moment. I've got, I did have three, but one got so old it had to come out. But I've still got two. They're about hip high. And they're about probably four four foot wide because I never prune <laughs> things properly. And it is absolutely covered from head to grass in little white flowers. And white at this time of year is fabulous. And you can just, it just speaks to you because on those grey days there's this splash of white. Glowing white. Glowing. It's yeah. wonderful. And it's it's a brilliant plant because it's South African. It's suited to coastal or drought. And it flowers for ages and then it goes into this fluffy seed head, which when you first look at it, it looks like it's still in flower, but it's actually the seed head. And although it's fluffy, I haven't found it popping up anywhere mm. in my garden. In fact, I wish it would, but it doesn't, which Foliage is good. It looks nice on it too. It's that nice silvery colour, yes, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's, and it, it does have a smell. Apparently it gets used in Africa much the way... Rosemary does, but um, we're passing it around now. And the only well, it does person, smell like rosemary. It does, mm. not as nice as rosemary. The only person I know who sells it is Craig. Mm. My both my plants came from Craig at Gentiana. You've really got to walk around his nursery because you you you, you 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 do get surprised what you see in his nursery, yeah. and you yeah. have to ask him. Yeah, you do. You have yeah. to ask him. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you wanted this, you'd go up and say. Virginia was talking about a, a white plant, white flowering plant, and he'd know because I'm always... Raving I'm, about it. I'm yeah. always raving about it and I'm always forgetting its name. I texted him at 6 o'clock this morning and said, Craig, I know you'll be up because yeah. he gets up terribly early. These little what's dogs the, come running out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's the white plant that I love so much? <laughs> and I get back, Eriocephalus. Yeah. So what's the care that you have to give to it? Like you say that you haven't pruned it back or anything. It just does its own thing? Absolutely. Great. Sweet Fanny Adams. I've done nothing. And how long has it been flowering for now? I don't know. I came back and it was in flower. Oh, true. Sorry. I was in flower, but it'll stay. It stays in flower for a goodly while. It's really, it's really And at this time of the year to have something like that is really advantageous in a garden, I think. And I've just, and I've got the white Lucantha, Lucantha. Velour white, which is a Mexican sage. I've got about four different versions of this Mexican sage, and having the two whites cl- close together, I think looks fabulous. But then I am a bit biased. I love my garden. <laughs> but Her garden is pretty fabulous. <laughs> but one of the wonderful things about um, these things, 
when I moved to my place, which was about 17 years ago, I didn't have a single small bird, not a one. And I've planted thinking about birds and, of course, therefore, accidentally, I've been thinking about in- insects. And I've got a lot in flower at the moment. I've got a couple of grevilleas in flower. I've got heaps of salvias in flower, the big ones. Some of those big five, six-footers are just coming into flower. They're all in shades of purple and pink. Um, what else? So would you open the garden then in the winter for I, I think my garden, I would. I don't understand why they're open in February. But don't I love open winter, in winter. winter gardens. Yeah. My garden looks... I love winter and gardens. The, the Is there the opportunity for you and some others in the valley to have a winter we open could. garden? We could. We could even do it as a fundraiser for the station. We could. Because that sounds great. I might just add everybody... In two weeks' time, we're having our big radiothon because it's our turn to pull in the money to keep this station going. So if anybody would like to make our job a little bit easier and donate before so we can go in knowing we've already got some money there, you can donate online on www.3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And... Unfortunately, I don't know if you were listening two weeks ago where we were having a, a struggle keeping the equipment together and ended up raiding the first aid kit to find things to tape the it mics was together. band-aiding something together that I heard. The, <laughs> Your it, microphone. It's the microphone yeah. you're using. Oh, great. Okay, good. Well, it looks pretty it's good at the fixed, moment. Yep. We'll see. But, you know. If Jane drops off, we'll know what's happened. Yeah, well, the band-aids have yep. failed. So please, we would love it if you could give us. And, and honestly, it's anything from ten dollars to a thousand, whatever th- you think you can afford. Uh, it all makes a difference. And then we'll be doing the ra- radiothon in two weeks, so and which was when we'll be trying to tempt money out of you with with gifts. We will be swapping. So please think about that. And any nurseries and things out there that um, maybe want to donate a voucher or something that we could give away would be great too. Absolutely, because um, you're going to give away some visits, aren't you? I am. We're going to do a little behind the scenesy thing because it was fun last year. We and it um, was very popular. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it was good fun. Um, and I mean, maybe I should think about doing an open garden. I mean, maybe. we won't raise a lot, but it, anything's if if everyone. You know, gave me fifteen or twenty dollars to come and visit my garden. I wonder if people would be interested. Find another garden in the Can, area. Well, Texas, if you're interested. <laughs> maybe. Yes. Now, I think yeah, if we could find another garden in the area as well, yeah. um, I think that's a great idea. Oh, yes, I'll talk to the open gardens and see if they yeah. think if there's another because, because my garden is fabulous in winter. Yeah, I love it. And raising money for this part of the show too or yes. the, or the it, um, it's for the garden show I, I think then sort of involving talking to people about plants and stuff that just makes it even sweeter yep because we love plants yeah, yeah and love, let me give you the numbers um, our number to speak to us is nine four one nine eight three double seven and the text line is o four double eight eight o nine eight double five. And so ring us, text us. You've got me, Virginia Hayward, Ben Brooker from Treasured Perennials and Jane Tonkin from Tonkin Bulbs. And we've been talking about Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery, which is in... So Craig's here in spirit because we're talking about him. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs)
But winter gardens, are, it's a good time to sort of sit back and really look at your garden too because things have either died back into the ground and so you can sort of see. You can see the shape. You can, yeah. So this is a good time to sort of get out there and work out what you can put in back into the garden. So you'd so. be very busy with um, sort of cutting perennials back or dividing and repotting for all these spring shows coming up and things too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and planting out and, yeah. Yep. So this is, like I said, it's a good time to sort of really sort of see the garden. Yeah, and I don't mind a cold day. I prefer it to that sort of 35 to 40 degree summer mm. day. You can get a lot more done, I find. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and everyone's been complaining we've had too much rain, but I'd rather too much rain than none. Mm. At least with too much rain, we don't tend to get terrible bushfires. Mm. During yeah. lockdown, Craig was quite... Because I was on my own and Sylvie, my daughter, used to come up from Melbourne and if the police stopped to say, oh, my mum, she's sick, I've got to go and see her because... It's quite hard in a thing like lockdown if you live on your own. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite um quite confronting. Yep. Going nowhere, but at least I was in my garden, so I had something to do. But Craig would come and visit me occasionally, and um, in the winter he sort of looked at my garden and said, "Virginia, this needs more structure." That's <laughs> what, and it's exactly what you get in winter. I mean, in spring, my garden is just so effervescent mm-hmm. with flowers. That you, the structure is irrelevant. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that was nearly two years ago now, so I've been working on exactly that. But it's a good time to move things around too. Like yeah. sometimes you might think, okay, well, it's worked well there for, for a couple of years, but now it's just not performing properly. So you pick it up and you move it somewhere else. And My Montanoas. Yeah, they, they take off again and yeah, sort of regenerate. My Montanoas, yeah. they've got, well, one of them absolutely has to move. I planted it there thinking it was a salvia and yeah. it's... 15 foot tall, it's just inappropriate. <laughs> and I cut it down yesterday. Montanoa is the Mexican tree daisy. I think it's the biggest daisy. It's another one from Mexico. A lot of these salvias are from Mexico. My semiotrata, which the little birds, salvia semiotrata, the little birds adore at this time of year. Um, you know, they're just, these flowers are important, but <laughs> I've got to move the Montanoa. Mm. And it's a difficult one because you've got to put it with some protection, otherwise it just snaps in the wind. It's like these damn things I've got also from Mexico. I've got three different tree dahlias, the, the pink, pinky purple, the deep purple and the white, and they're all 15, 20 foot high. And if I plant them without a bit of protection around they them, just blow they over just snap, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. So I don't know where I'm going to put the Montanoa, but I can't, I've got to have it. Because it's unusual. It's beautiful too. It is yeah. lovely, yeah. yeah. And it flowers now, or it's finishing, but it was flowering three weeks ago. Yeah. And there's not a huge... I mean, there is a lot in flower, but you've got to plan that. I reckon I have a salvia in flower every single week of the year. That's the beauty about salvias, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you could have it flowering every So my insects and my birds, yeah. that's what I have to do. Do you grow a lot of salvias? A f- couple, not many. Yeah. I try and stick to varieties that... I know that, um, that it's not around. Like yeah. I've got one there. It's called Salvia uh, Bulliana. Um, no, Bululato. Bulli, bulli, no, Bulliana. It Bulliana? is Bulliana, yeah. Oh. So it's actually yellow and uh, purple. Oh, I want that. <laughs> uh, purpley burgundy sort of, like more burgundy. I I'd know say. the one. Yes, yeah, I know it. it. It's, not, it's not easy to, to propagate, but when it's growing, it's, once it's getting established, it's, it's fine. Uh, it's just that, that first, you know, first stage. 
well, first couple of stages, mm. but then once it starts And growing, so that's your job, Ben, and then to sell it. <laughs> and, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then you sell it to people yeah. like yeah. me who will just grow yeah. it on. Yeah. yeah, after he's done all the difficult work. Yeah, after yeah. the yeah. hard yeah. work, yeah. yes. But I, I think I've worked it out because the naturally because I, I bring seed in from overseas and, mm. and, and propagate it, and a, a lot of the time they've got to um, they've got to fumigate them. Yep. Or they've got to put some sort of chemical on it to sort of kill any bacteria or any bugs that's on them, which is probably the wrong way about it because I went down the path of microorganisms and, and, the, and, and I looked at the imbibition of, of, of seeds um, that it needs a, a, an endophyte inside the actual seed to, to germinate, um, to start the germination process. So, and when they, they fumigate them or put chemicals on them they kill all those endophytes so that's why we're actually not getting our our strike rate or it's yep. so hard to get these things propagated so now i'm, I'm finding when i get the seeds now I, I put a lot of humates and and uh, beneficial anaerobic microorganisms on them and i'm getting a better to result get them, to get them going. yeah so i'm trying to get those endophytes back in to start that um, what they call rhizophagy yeah which is a little bit of a process but but at yeah. least we still can get seed in which is excellent yeah and you know these tree days, um, there's they 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 come from high parts of Central America, and there's not a lot of them. There's I think there might be three species, and there's been a bit of um, breeding of them, and and of course somebody in New Zealand has really done it, really mm-hmm. done it well. But I read a post of his the other day saying that they can't get the nursery industry interested because it's not an easy one you know it I mean it grows so big it doesn't look any good in the pot it's difficult to explain to people and so he's now trying to get people to take seed because he's developed a few really fabulous unusual ones Mm -hmm. and they're going to disappear if if people show no interest Mm -hmm. and there's no because the industry won't pick them up. It's not easy for him. No, because the, with the nursery industry, if it doesn't look good in a pot, mm. it, it's then very difficult for them to sell. Um, and yeah, tree dahlias are one of those things. They look that, shocking. They are a fabulous thing. Grow them along your fence or whatever, and then have some perennials in front of them. Mm. They just waft around in the breeze. They're just uh, what is it? Imperialis? Is it Imperial, the, yeah. Imperialis? Um, yeah, Dahlia beautiful imperialis. thing. Mm. Um, so if anyone is, I don't know, does Craig stock them? I don't know, actually. We must we must have a look and see who who has. I'm pretty sure Garden Express yes. have them. Yeah. Um, but these ones, some of these New Zealand ones, looked absolutely fabulous mm. and I don't think they're available You'll have to share here. that poster with me. Yeah, I will. I will. And I'll yeah. put some photos of my tree dahlias. I'll get Lizzie to put them online for mm-hmm. us. I wandering around yesterday, did I? Engage the brain and think. Oh, send a photo of this to Lizzie. No, Montanoa one would be a good one to post. Yeah. I think my uh, is your Montanoa still out? I think mine's finished. Oh, I've mine. Are, I've got a lot of mine in pots, and I'll have them ready for spring. So yes, but I mean so. for a photo to put online. No, I'll see I if got any photos. I think mine's finished. If it <laughs> isn't, I'll put it up. The the other thing is, Jenny, you're supposed to be walking around enjoying your garden <laughs> and looking at it, and not going, oh, photo op. Um, <laughs> I don't. I forget. And, and I forget all the time too. And then you go, you've built up enough stock of something to release it. And Ben's probably the same. And you go back through your camera roll and see whether you can find a photo of it. 
but you haven't taken one, but you were so impressed at the time you just stood there looking at it rather than taking a photo. So note to self, take more photos. And the other thing I do, I forget to take photos of my garden. I go around and I take photos of individual individual flowers and I say to someone, oh, I've got a lovely garden. It's about five five acres and Mm. and I I haven't got a single shot to show them because group all shot I, as such. all I've got is individual flowers yeah. oh look you know here's pink icicles it's one of my favorite salvias and it flowers in winter you know yeah but I haven't got it in context which is just silly but you know I'm not a photographer so no. it can't be helped yeah but yes Montanoa it's I'll see if I've got someone we put it online because it is a, if you've got a big enough garden or you don't actually need a big enough garden you just need a space where you can it's one of the ones you can go for the vertical hmm. which is fabulous the same with the tree dahlias they don't actually take up a lot of space because they go up yeah but I think look at where you which way your winds are coming from and yes. sort of yeah put yes. up, try and get on the opposite opposite, opposite side, side of the yeah. north wind yeah. and always a couple of garden stakes with an old pair of pantyhose holds them up quite well too hmm. yeah. pantyhose are wonderful yeah. I haven't worn them for, for forever. Neither have I, but they're good use in the garden. Somebody mm. gave me a whole lot <laughs> recently and I was thrilled. Tie your tomatoes up with them. Yep. They're great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Ben, you have this other plant here which I have in my garden which I think is wonderful. That's the Penstemon uh, Digitalis Majestica. Um, it is. It's beautiful. I love the foliage on it. It's actually nice, um, that burgundy foliage. Um, but once the plant sort of shades itself when it gets taller it tends to go that really nice sort of dark green so you want to try and keep this one in the sun to to keep it nice and burgundy so it gets to about sort of 75 centimeters high the flowers are what you call that tubular or penstemon like flower but, um, it's, but just much smaller it's but small and bigger inflorescence it's yeah. it's daintiness is fabulous against some of the um some of the Bigger penstemons that get a bit too blousy, a bit too loud, I find. You know, the big, really big flowers, pink and white. I prefer these more dainty ones. I yeah, often yeah, prefer yeah. the species. The species are yeah. nice. So this one comes from, um, uh, was it the eastern Canada? So that's its, uh, its origin. Well, it's um, interesting. It does well for us if it comes from Canada. Yeah, it does. It does extremely well. And it's actually quite reasonably um, drought tolerant too. And, and also <laughs> we've got it planted at our front gate and we're on a bit of a slope so when we do get a lot of rain over winter all the water rushes down to where we've got these planted so they do handle a fair bit of water as well so they're quite sort of versatile in that sense. Does the stem stay that deep sort of magenta colour? It does yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So that is penstemon? Digitalis. Digitalis. Majestica yeah. Mm. Because I think it's a really fine looking plant. Yeah but the common name they call is uh, beard tongue. Beard tongue. Yeah, because when you, if you look in the throat of the actual flower, it has that nice, uh, it's like a tongue sort of shape yes. in it and it's quite furry. <laughs> so that's where it gets its name from. Yeah, I think penstemons have gone out of favour a bit and they're such, as long as you remember to prune them mm. and mm. prune them roughly whenever you fancy, it's not, it's yeah. not a difficult pruning job. But you, you need to just bring them back a bit every well, now and again. Well, they can layer themselves too. so they can. Which of, is fabulous. Yeah. So when they get too... Too tall and too heavy, they will lay down and they just reroot and they reshoot again. Mm. So, yeah. And they do flower for on and on and on and on. I've still got penstemons that are started flowering in summer and they're still flowering now. Well, this particular species, this one should be flowering in spring, but I've got one or two in the in the nursery flowering. But all the ones in the garden, naturally, they're all 
Yeah, my they're one's in the garden. I've got two in the garden and they're not flowering. But mm. I have got other ones that are in, still in flower, which make the birds happy, which is what, yep. <laughs> which is what we want. Yeah. I'll just tell everybody our numbers again. If you wish to give us a ring, you've got me, Virginia Hayward, Ben Brooker and Jane Tonkin in the studio today. Our number is 94198377 or 0488. 809-855 for a text. And if you're feeling like donating to the station, we're trying to raise some money at the moment, donate at 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And somebody has asked, how do you spell Montanoa? M-O-N-T-A-N-O-A. Montanoa. It's in the Daisy family, Asteraceae. Now, we did have a request to talk about soil that's not doing well from our producer. She has bought or been given some soil and she thinks it probably has some um, glyphosate in it. What would you do, Ben? You can, best thing to... It, it, it's... It is quite a common problem, isn't it? That we, We've heard before of people who have picked up, uh, brought in something... And it's got Roundup or something in it. The glyphosate, yeah. Mm. So no, it's actually uh, you, you, a lot of humates, um, and then sort of I think stimulating like your, your beneficial sort of microbes in your soil because they help to sort of break down that residue. Uh, things like fulvic acid, humic acid. Um, another really good one is too is called EM, which is an effective microorganism, which is your lactobacillus. Um, that I did speak about lactobacillus. Bacillus previously about doing like we're using rice, milk and, and water, um, mm. let it try and ferment it and uh, and that sort of starts the process of the um, the, the effective microorganisms. So um, that was just com- in a bucket or something, putting yeah, rice, yeah. milk and water. Yeah, but you you wash you you got to uh, put about two liters with uh, say a kilo of rice. Um, I think I've done a breakdown. I think even like for a, a smaller um, container. Um, and then you you got to get the the lack that well you got to wash the rice and get that sort of milkiness happening with the rice and then you, you take your rice out you can cook your rice and eat it um, and then you let that water sort of sit for about ten days the rice water the rice water you let it sit for about ten days and that what that's doing it's actually fermenting um, so then, you don't need to leave the rice in there no no you take the rice out and cook it because everyone yeah. knows the process like when you're steaming rice or boiling up rice you wash it. First, yes, yeah, um, yeah. so it's and you know how it goes all milky, yeah. It's that water that you're keeping, and then, yeah, um, yeah, as long as the lid's loose and it'll mm-hmm. ferment, um, leave it for about 10 days, um, and then just after about the 10, rice water on its own, yeah, yeah. And then after about 10 days, you probably you'll add, um, you add your milk, um, and you, you'll let that sit for another, another sort of seven to 10 days as well, uh, and then you'll find it'll it, it goes all sort of. You'll see it all coagulate and um, and you'll you, a bit like half set yogurt. Yeah, yeah. So you you, you take that um, and you keep, that's what you actually keep, um, and then you actually mix uh, things like molasses or uh, even like a fulvic acid with it as well, which is your carbon base, uh, and that's your your um, inoculum of um, your, your lactobacillus. And so, so, in this case, with Burns' um, unhappy soil. So or compost, yeah. She would just mix that into it. Yeah, mix, mix it. that into it. But if you can get your hands on fulvic acid or humic acid, um, they're probably probably more beneficial 
than the, the lactobacillus. Lactobacillus is, um, it'll help the whole breakdown um, of it all as well. So, but mostly it'll be from humic acids. And how would you acids. get hold of fulvic acid or humic acid? You need to probably jump online and try and, yeah, sort of Google it and try and order it online. I'm surprised it's actually not in there, in, in the retail sort of sections because it, it, it is, should be used. It, it's like when we fertilise, we should actually put a humate in it because it actually chelates the actual element. So you're not wasting it. You're not getting any leaching from the, from the elements that you're actually providing. Um, and it's good for all our beneficial microorganisms in our soil and even uh, fungi. Like humic acid is really good for our fungi. Uh, where fulvic sort of more favours for your microorganisms. Yeah. And you need both. And this is why... Well, you need just one, one or the other. But, um, I mean, yeah. generally in our soil, we need our, our fungi and we need our microorganisms uh, yeah. and not overworking the soil. I remember when I first started Seriously Gardening, which was in England, and we were double digging all the time. I mean, we just wouldn't do that anymore. No, not all anymore. the things you destroy by digging too much. Mm. Yeah, you know, we try, we try and treat them. My... One of my dearest friends who lived a block away from me now lives in Dorset and they're just, they've had a, quite a hot patch recently and she has, I mean, she couldn't get pea straw but she's got straw and she's mulched her garden and all her neighbours think she's totally loony. Mm. And she said, I've been having them around because they're all running sprinklers all the time at the moment and I'm not and I say, come and visit. And, uh, and, I sh- and I've got a patch that I've been working on so I haven't yet mulched it. So it's exposed and the soil's dry as dry. And I say, come and look at this. And I pull the mulch back around a tree or around a shrub and the soil is lovely and damp and it doesn't need, it mm. doesn't need watering. And they go, oh, that's why you do it. It's just not in their consciousness because it's fairly recent. I mean, last year when I was in England, it got to 40 degrees in London. It's never mm. happened before. Mm. You know, it's, it's happening now that they have to think more about preserving water, mm. but they, it's not in their, it's not in their consciousness like it is in ours. Yeah, but even I think going back to that question, see if she mulches with um, uh, lucerne, because lucerne's actually another really good one. Because when that breaks down, it actually helps to promote protozoa. And pea straw. Pro- uh, lucerne's probably one of the best ones to actually use. I think for especially for your microorganisms, because that's what you want to try and stimulate is those microorganisms in the soil. Yep. Um, protozoa will actually help um, solubilise uh, nitrogen and phosphorus in the soil. So, yeah, and that'll help that whole breakdown of the, the glyphosate. Mm. And what's the other thing when you use coals out of your fireplace and you make up a mix? I remember um, Peter bi- Cundall always... Bi- biochar? Biochar. Yeah. And Peter Cundall yep. always used to rave on about biochar, how mm. it would completely change... We might just quickly go to a call. Gabrielle has rung in on line one. Good morning, Gabrielle. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, thanks for the show. It's great. Um, I've got a problem with the silver princess, so eucalyptus cassia. Um, it's about nine years old, so it's been growing well and quite established. And then a few months ago, um, a lot of the new higher growth started to die off. Um, So I've actually given it a pretty severe prune a couple of times from the main trunk because all the top growth was dying. 
Um, so now it's got a lot of shoots from the bottom, a lot of new big strong shoots, but the new growth on those shoots is starting to die. Uh, I can't see any beetles or larvae or anything. So um, over to you. Is he, you're getting black spots on it? There are some sort of, yeah, dark brown spots, but, yeah, a few. Yeah, so you could have Photophora in the Photophora. soil. Photophora, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, not the end of the world. You can you can control Photophora. You can't kill it, but you can control it. It, it all goes mm. back to your microorganisms. So you really need to, I think, like I was talking about before, is the humic acids and fulvic acids. Um, they help stimulate a lot of your, your microorganisms in your soil. Mm-hmm. Um, and even mulching, so putting like a, uh, like I said, like a looser mulch, even though it's a native, but yeah, put a looser mulch down because you want to start feeding those microorganisms around the soil. So the more good beneficial microorganisms you actually have, um, it sort of overcompetes with the Phytophthora, so yeah. they will actually start eating the other bad pathogens in our soils. Um, it yeah. doesn't get rid of it, but it, it controls it, so... Um, more look at your um, organic amendments into the soil, um, nothing that's too high in sort of phosphorus or anything like that. So you can still use uh, like a cow manure, but you want to use a very small dose of it because the cow manure is going to help sort of um, feed any or produce microorganisms back into the soil. Yeah, um, I've yeah, been putting a bit of compost and, um, that we just make ourselves, which is quite nice. And um, I've been mulching, not with lucerne, um, but I wondered whether the, you know, it has been quite wet and it is, you know, reasonable drainage there, but it is sort of quite wet at the moment. That is the other thing you could do is we are apparently going back into El Nino, so we're going to start drying out. Um so if you take Ben's advice and try, I'm sure your compost is really helping and lucerne helping. Yeah. But make sure the lucerne doesn't come up against the neck of the tree. Yeah, okay. So it's breathing. You mustn't let it sit on the neck of the tree. But if you can get your hands on some, um, probably fulvic acid. Fulvic? So fulvic. Uh, it's F-U-L-V-I-C. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be an online job. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But you can get it online. There is a, there's a quite a few companies around Victoria that do do sell it. Um, yeah. But even with the actual plants, so if you go and um, sort of buy some trace elements uh, and then foliar spray the actual leaf, um, you want to spray underneath the leaf. Um, yeah. And you want to do that either late in the afternoon or early in the morning. Um, early in the morning is probably the best time to do it, but you can do it late in the afternoon. Um, because over the night, like during the night, it will the, the stone mates will open up and then start, you know, it, bringing in the residue. Um, yeah, that will help to to boost the immune system in the actual plant because uh, yeah. you could be lacking in a lot of minerals too. So, a lot of our soils don't have like molybdenum or manganese in, in our yeah. soils, and they're all uh, a major part in the process of completing other minerals. Like for instance, like nitrogen. Um, yeah, nitrogen can be stuck as a as a as an amine, but not turn into an amino acid or a protein or a complex form of protein. So when we have these other minor elements, they complete that whole process. Um, yeah. When you don't have a complete process, that's when all your pathogens and your insects start attacking the plant. 
So just mm-hmm. by completing those processes and doing that complex form of protein or amino acids, then you find that the plant um, sort of fights off a lot of these pathogens uh, and insects as well. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, what did you say I should spray it with? Uh, trace elements. Um, trace elements. Trace elements, yeah. You can buy trace elements. Oh, can you? Yeah. Some of the bigger nurseries will just sell them and you don't you don't keep using them. Yeah, probably about twice a year. That's yes. about as, as much as you want to use it. Yeah. 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 You don't yeah. Yeah, you don't regularly use them, but you do put them into your plants every now and again, once or twice a year. Mm. Stay okay. away and are from... They in a, sorry, are they in a liquid form or a powder form? It's a powder form, so you need to mix it up. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a salt, so yeah. you mix it up in a bucket or just a um, just a small container, something where you can put a stick in and stir it so you can actually dissolve the salt. Um, then it's all solubilised then. Um, and yeah. then you mix it up in the right ratio in a, a spray bottle, a micronised spray bottle, mm-hmm. and then spray underneath the leaf. Don't spray the top of the leaf. It's all underneath the leaf because that's where your low use stomatic opening is, is, uh, is happening. Um, you do get on top of the leaf, but it's more intake underneath the leaf. But yeah. it's crucial that you do it late in the afternoon yeah. Or early afternoon and or early, early, morning. early early morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm. and Gabrielle, you might have to, you might have to be waiting for a while for this. There's none of this is going to turn it around fast. No. <laughs> and I think I think your suggestion that maybe the soil's a bit too wet is very possible. Yeah, well, I've had some um native grasses growing up all around the base of the trunk. So I've sort of cleared them out a bit um, just because I thought maybe, you know, that'll dry the soil a bit. Yes. Well, and I I think, unfortunately, we're going to lose all this rain. So nature's going to balance it out as it comes, as we get to later in the year. Yeah, we need to enjoy it while we've got it. And, you know, we might be lucky and one of our listeners might ring in and say, hmm, Silver Princess, I know exactly what might be the problem. So keep keep listening and we'll see if that happens. Okay, I will. There's some little oval holes in some of the leaves and I'd read that that could be the beetle, but... um, Well, you can share the leaf. Yeah, because it could be either it's either it could be either Phytophthora or Anthracnose. It's either one of those I know because we've what got. What is it? Anthracnose. Yeah, Anthracnose. But Anthracnose. It's, yeah. Anthracnose. Because I've got the Silver Princess and I've got a very similar thing that's happened to mine. So and yeah. I've done this whole process and yeah and I'm not getting. I've, they're all looking really healthy. I've so. got a lovely Mally, which the Silver Princess was grafted onto. The Silver Princess went and died on me, but the, <laughs> but the Mally's come up and is lovely. Well, best of luck, Gabrielle. Great. Thanks very much for your help, all of you. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yes, well, let's hope with that. Now, we were just talking about what was wrong with Burns compost. And we think it probably is glyphosate. Mm. And what is glyphosate, Ben? Not not many people know what glyphosate actually does. Yeah. Start from the beginning. <laughs> so what it glyphosate is Roundup, everybody. It is yes. Um, what it does, it actually shuts down a, uh, a shikimate pathway. Um, shikimate pathway is a, a vascular system in the plant that actually carries like you know your proteins, amino acids. Uh, iron is another one that it actually carries throughout the plant um, so it shuts that down uh, and also it shuts down uh, well it affects microorganisms um, 
and uh, mammals because they all have a shikimate pathway. Uh, and that stops the, you know, certain minerals through, moving throughout the plant. So then you'll find all your, your bad pathogens start moving into the plant because the plant can't sort of uh, use its proteins to, to help fight off any of those bad pathogens. So what do they call it? It's actually a form of AIDS. So required immune deficiency. So that's what it actually does. Because Bernard was talking about her broad beans being all twisted and things. Mm. Yeah. That's what brought it up. Mm. So yep. it's funny because glyphosate doesn't actually kill the plant. It actually kills the microorganisms. So And then shuts down those, those, uh, those pathways so the plant can't take up any of those minerals or fight off any of those pathogens. So it's all very well to be killing a plant you want to kill. And there are certain plants that you might resort to Roundup because they're so hard to get rid of, like our blackberry, for example. But But most of the time you can actually get by without using it. I think we do tend to overuse this product. But the thing is we kill all our bad bacteria or or good bacteria. Absolutely. Uh, And that's... It's the it's same. what we actually need in our soils. It's is, the same when we go spraying for insects. We yeah. spray because we've got aphids and we kill all the things that are eating the aphids as well and mm. then we're surprised that we're completely out of balance. Mm. There's nothing like a pair of fingers for killing aphids. Yeah. Or it's actually, it goes back to completing minerals in the plant to become a complex form of protein. You can get proteins in plants, but if you can make it finish its process and become a complex form, the plants can't digest protein. See, it's, it's funny thing is we all need amino acids or in protein. Uh, insects need amino acids and, and proteins. So um, do we. <laughs> that's it. We all, all depend on it. And, and so uh, the funny thing is, is is an insect will fly over a plant and they'll see that the sap's probably not flowing throughout the plant because it's got low, low sugars in the plant. Um, so that means that the, the plant hasn't got the complex forms of proteins and amino acids. Um, if it's got a really good sap flow, um, so insects pick up on this. Mm. So that's that's the beauty about mm. it. And they won't go and eat, eat anything that's actually that complex form because it's going to kill them. But also the other thing too, I think, is we do need to share with the insects, mm. even aphids, which I loathe, mm. because those little birds that I mm. want, you know, mm. the whole process, it goes all the way up to that, wedge tail that's flying up above my place there's from the little insect all the way up yeah we they all support each other Mm. and it and you know the occasional hole because of a caterpillar well live with the hole i say Mm. because you want the moths and the butterflies yeah we love a butterfly but we hate a caterpillar well that doesn't make sense but if you start getting infestations of them then i think we're going to need to look at feeding the soil what's yeah feeding the plant so uh the way I sort of see it, you've got mechanism and you've got vitalism. Mechanism is, you know, identifying the, 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 the insect and then directing just at that insect and trying to get rid of it. So vitalism is actually, okay, we need to look at the whole thing. Let's look at the minerals. Let's look at the watering, uh, the pH of the soil. Let's look at the pH that's actually in the plant. Um, they're the sort of things we need to sort of look at and sort of rectify those, the, the whole of thing. Uh, and then we, you, you, you prevent all these, these things happening. Absolutely, yes. And um, trust nature more than we tend to do. Mm. I think that's the other thing. Nature has actually been working at it a bit longer than us. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I keep keep looking over the counter at this 
pink plant. It's pink thing. Yes, it's beautiful. Guess what, Ginny? What? It's an oxalis. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we must poison it then. <laughs> Not with glyphosate, thank you. Um, we all know that um, our beloved Stephen always talks about um, oxalis and there's been a couple couple of oxalis that gives the whole genus a bad name. Um, and I'm, I'm with Stephen on the fact that during this time of the year when there's not much out, a full pot of oxalis in flower is just magic. And I recommend that you grow oxalis in a pot Anyway, because of the benefit of look at that, it's absolutely beautiful. Unless it's in a, a rock garden or something, it will get lost in your garden unless it's right on the edge or something, Jin. But you know, a couple of pots on your outdoor area there, mm. yum. Um, so native to South Africa, this one is Glabra pinky white, um, and it's got very fine foliage, but it's all about the flowers when they open. They're about the size of a Oh, between a 10 and 20 cent piece across when it's fully open. But the buds are magic as well when they close up of an afternoon. Um, they look similar to like the old-fashioned icing buds, you know, the little <laughs> used to play with the icing bag kind of thing, um, sort of twisted and, and beautiful. And just a full sun spot for your pot. If you do want to, if you're worried about oxalis and things, put them in a pot, but you put a bit of mesh in the bottom of the pot. Um, and then you can put that in the ground and just leave the lip of the pot so you know where it is. Um, but the, this one, you know, we haven't found spreads at all. Um, and there, there are some amazing oxalis out there, I think. Um, Stephen certainly has quite a few. Mm. We've got quite a collection now. And then there's the fabulous Craig Gardner that goes to the Fernie Creek Horticultural Society have their show in March, which Ben and Kerry come to as well. And Craig's there with this amazing array of different oxalis and stuff. Um, so fabulous. I just, I just think that we need to... I've got a yellow know. one, mm -hmm. which is a more tropical one. Pedunculares, mm -hmm. I saw that. Yeah, yeah it's Because that's the one I grow. Yeah. yeah. And it's in flower at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. the rabbits love it, so it's, it, it lives under a, a protection. Yep. Which and, and it gets through the protection and bang, it's gone. <laughs> but I also keep it in a pot because then the rabbits don't find the pot. But that doesn't spread either because we've got no. that plant in our garden and it just, it's a nice sort of clumping. No, it's, clumping it's never spread for me. No, it can, I have found like. If, I mean, you can propagate it. Yeah, yeah, it, it can layer itself, but it's very slow. So it's easy to control. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I just think we need to sort of um, branch out a bit from the stigma on the poor oxalis. We do. So I'm getting on the Stephen Ryan bandwagon. Well, yeah. I think it's a good bandwagon. Mm. I remember Stephen having a big fight at a conference one time when they wanted to put all oxalis. Into the noxious weed. Noxious sort of, weed. Yeah. And he said, well, you do realise that there are native oxalis. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> says the department. But some <laughs> of the foliages are, are amazing too. Yeah. So we grow one that's a yeah. polyphyla hexaphyla. Mm -hmm. And the foliage on that's... It's like yeah, it's like real fingers. fine fingers. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. beautiful. It's like a little so, um, and, and waving hand. And palmer fronds. Yeah, palmer fronds is probably yeah. the the famous one that people know that, and that looks amazing in a pot. Mm. Like it should be grown in a pot because of the structure of those little palm fronds that sort of sit flat against the mm. soil. Um, yeah, you want to show it off. You don't really need it to flower. It can sometimes be a hard one to get to flower. I think it needs a, isn't it a deep pot? It's yeah, it's got to be quite deep. Yeah, supposed to. Yeah, but we, we've tried that too. But um, <laughs> I've got friends at Footscray that have that flower palmer fronds there and they've got it in the garden and it's not 
spreading mm. either. But um, yeah, just yeah, look then, out for some oxalis. I think it depends where you are too. Mm. Yeah, I think for it to spread or not. So, if somebody yeah. wants to buy something from you, Jane, how do they do that? Um, our winter list is um, out at the moment. So www.tonkinsbulbs.com.au. So that's for all the things that are dormant over the winter. So all those beautiful summer growing perennials and. Um, bulbs and things that you can buy online so we do express post um little bit of exciting news i suppose is that we're going to give the retail nursery a go again oh fantastic um <laughs> uh, I'm not sure why. I'm, I'm not sure how tired I was when I agreed to this with my darling partner but um it's the difficulty of people finding us and things but Finding, it, finding James yeah. is absolute. She lives in the middle of a forest, yeah. and there's not another house within Cooey. Yeah, a couple and, of kilometres away. Yeah, and she's off a road that is not massively used. It is very potholed and very yeah. potholed. It's very hard to find, but when you get there, it's bleeding wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that'll be sometime in October when that happens. So that'll be after the AGSC conference thing. Um, because part of that is those groups are coming. That's to the Alpine the, Conference? Yeah, yeah. And can anybody go to the Alpine they, Conference? They can. I'm just not quite sure of the price of the day yet, um, but, but how, we'll keep you... How do they find out about it? Uh, so there will be a part on the website, on the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria website, um, eventually um, that will have a way that you can book online and things like that. So they're working on that at the moment um, to get that up and running. Excellent. Um, which can would be great. You, does a press pass get you in? I'm not quite sure. I think we should put up that a press pass could get you in. I wonder who I'm thinking about. I, I, I can sort of, you know, um, maybe suggest. Because <laughs> um, I think that conference sounds wonderful. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a great day. I mm. would love to hear somebody from Edinburgh, but I'm always mm. happy to, be, to listen to you and Craig. Mm. I think that would be wonderful as well. Well, I love that oxalis. Mm, thank you. And people are selling. Some and it was all closed up oxalis. this morning, yes. of course, because of the, the cold, but in the warmth and the car on the way in. Because even though it was a very pleasant seven degrees, not too at home when I left, um, I did have the heater on for a bit and it's opened up beautifully. So um, we might take a photo for Liz to put that up too. And yeah. what was the date of the other one that you're going to be you're going to have? A stall at? I'd say that's this coming weekend, the 17th of June at Deakin University, and that's run by the Royal Horticultural Society of Victoria. So if you go on their website, you can pre-book your tickets. And, and will you it. take some oxalis to that? Um, no, I'll take some parmafrons, yes. I've got some parmafrons in pots. The, the problem, I, I think that um, the reason why I'm sort of saying that October for our nursery is that I didn't plant the summer dormant things. So... Um, they all went back in the ground or into containers and things like that. So it's now getting a whole year of potted stuff um, up and running. Mm. So, But eventually, yes, next year, oxalis in pots done. So mm. what will you be taking next weekend? Um, so it'll be packeted bulbs. So, you know, all the dorm- things that we put in now. Yep, things that go in now. So some of the summer flowering gladiolus. Um, most people think that they're all sort of spring flowering, but there's some beautiful summer flowering ones. Um, Pleione orchids, um, peonies, polygonatums, the three peas of those three perennials have gone gangbusters online. Not sure why, it's something to do with the litter pea, but 
Um, yeah, so polygon atoms are those, that genus of Solomon seals. Yes. And not just the irregular one, but there's some amazing, like I put little pratty eye up for the first time this year and it's already sold out. So um, that's kind of good. Mm. I love the Solomon seals. The cemetery that the house I lived in in London backed onto a cemetery that had been let go completely to nature. Mm-hmm. It was full of Solomon seal because, yeah. of course, it was extremely wooded So and mm. they liked yeah, they like that Shade, woodland yeah. sort of situation. Oh, it was beautiful when yeah. they were out. It was mm. just fabulous. But I'll be taking some of the sun-loving things too, like the old-fashioned jockey's caps, tigridias. And, oh, they're wonderful. Um, Sprachelia, the, what was that called, Jacobine lily that people would know. Those sort of old-time favourites that are great in a warm spot that you just stick in and leave them there. Um, it's one of the things that's made my garden really good is that because I'm completely on on tank water Mm -hmm. and I bought the place during the drought that then continued for another 10 years I it just changed how I gardened and I have got so many winter flowering bulbs that are dormant over the summer so I don't have to think about getting them watered particularly South African ones Mm. they're all just coming up now and it's just it it makes my garden wonderful and it leaves Blank spots in February, but then during the drought, if they weren't blank spots, they were dead spots. Mm. <laughs> you got leaves on your Josephine lily yet? Yes, yeah. just coming. Good. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> yes. that'll look beautiful all the way through the winter. And that was just <laughs> the most amazing. Describe <laughs> that plant. Uh, um, so Brunswickia Josephine. Um, it's the the queen of the Amaryllidaceae family, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so native to South Africa. Um, common name candelabra lily because of the fact that um, the whole head of the flower has these amazing long pedicels with this curling bright scarlet red flowers at the end of each pedicel it does and it look, looks like an umbrella. It does or it looks like um, something you a, a really fancy light that you hang. Oh, like a chandelier yeah, type yes. thing, yeah. Um, or tiny firecracker. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but you have to allow space in a garden for um, Josephine Lily because of the fact that the the flower does get to sort of two, three feet across when it's doing well um, on a, you know, stem two foot tall. And then after that dies down, um, during the winter, there's these amazing big glaucous strappy leaves that sort of still need a space a foot by a foot kind of um at least so but in a hot dry spot so where you've got it Virginia is perfect in your garden and it's been there for years and I've looked at it and thought Why not? it was covered up wasn't it yeah one it was covered up and two it had never done a thing and then this year it flowered and Jane came round one day and said oh my god mm. I said yeah I don't know what it is <laughs> I knew by the bulb when I said to her, you know, this is going to flower this year. Oh, and Um, it was just huge and absolutely – and it's been – I reckon it's been there for 10 years. Yeah, and the bulbs need to be um, almost the size of a Sharon football to be flowering size. So it it can take from seed to flowering 18 to 20 years. So it's a long process. Well, I I put it in as a bulb, but I have no idea where I got it from. Who gave it to me? I just, but I've just left it there, thank God. Mm. Yes, yeah. please don't move it now. Yeah, mm. don't get impatient. <laughs> no, everything around it has been moved. Yeah. I, I am now treating it with veneration. See, it's a great change to the structure of your garden as far Absolutely. as I'm concerned. Yes. Bolts, yeah. yes, it's but Ben and I have both got some other little South African-y things if Ben wants to start with. You can do them. 
Well, both of you do them. Yeah, one I find is interesting is Dubenya. Um, Spell. It's uh, D-A-U-B-E-N-Y-A. Um, it's a yeah. It comes from uh, it's the South African, mm. I think, Cape Province. Yep. I think it is. Yep. So and it's a like comes from a, like a diuretic uh, soil, which is like a soil like a clay soil, mm. which holds a fair bit of moisture. But it, it's a, a sandy sort of top layer, and then you have that clay underneath. Um, and uh, with this this particular species, the foliage is a nice sort of green, straight sort of venuation in the in the mm. leaf, very flat to the ground, so it really hugs the ground. Mm. And that nice sort of uh, paintbrush flower, yep. which is in the very centre. The colour of it is like, you know, your oranges, your reds. Uh, and then deep down you have like a purple uh, sort of, sort of what they call nectar mm. uh, sort of centre. And they're pollinated yeah. by the sunbirds. Yeah, and, and mm. I don't suppose either of you put these, sent these to Lizzie? No. I think we will do that. We're a bit like you, wandering yeah. around last night going, what are we going to take? Yeah. <laughs> But so it's a very interesting flower, though. It's we'll a, put it on. Yeah. We'll put it on today, so that you'll be able to see it on our Facebook. It's like a little page. firecracker mm. down in there. It um, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, as we said, they're native to South Africa, and we find with dobenias, it's moist but not wet. No. So, um, and uh, with the fact that they're found in those sort of more sandy type soils, if you're growing them here, it's adding grit or perlite or something like that that gives it that drainage but you can still contain some sort of moisture. But it's only when they're ramping. growing. Yeah. Is when you, yeah. yeah. So when they're and back in like the ground. Like a hot, dry summer. Yeah, um, yeah. Just move the pot somewhere cool and dry. Yeah. Because um, that's the good thing. They're a good pot specimen. And I think you've got to highlight them. Like yeah. in the garden, I think you, you've got to they either have disappear. it. disappear. Yeah, or have it in a corner mm. where you, you, you will notice it. But I think you need it, I think, as a pot mm. specimen. So, because even like in Missonias and you could have yeah. it in the garden, protected by rocks, couldn't you? So things don't grow over it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So somewhere where it's highlighted, so you you know it's there, yeah. and there's nothing else that's going to grow around it. Or yeah. Ginny, we can make a South African garden right next to the Brunswickia. Okay. Right, we'll have it as the main feature, yeah. and then around it we'll build up this beautiful sort of rock come crevicey type garden, and we'll fill it with some other South African things. What do you think? I think that sounds fantastic. Excellent, good. So what I'm going to have to do is get all those those sillas out, those Peruvian sillas, because mm-hmm. that's what's around there. Yep. So mass. we'll wait till they go dormant. That's fine. Mm. And dig them up. And we'll shift them. Move Don't them. Get, mm. Yeah, silla Peruviana, beautiful thing. Mm. Um, it's now got a different name now, hasn't it? Anyway. We need Stephen for that. He, yep. He's mm. the one that obsesses on this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if anyone types in, yeah, Scylla Peruviana. Um, and they multiply. They, they do because it self-seeds as well and you can get some sort of – like it's this magically um, beautiful blue, a bit like the salvia in front of us here. And the, the seedlings can vary in colour and stuff too. So that's kind of fun and mm. that's a good thing about raising things from seed. Um, you don't know what we grow. Yet. We grow yeah. the three colours. Yeah. Yeah, the blue, there's a, a little white. Yep. Uh, and there's like a real soft sort of between, like you know, you've got a bit of pink through it, I think it is. Yep. It makes white. it almost a mauvey colour, that one, doesn't it? It's yeah. very soft. It is, yeah. Yep. Mm. yeah. It's got a name. Well, because and I've got so many of them something. now. I've, yeah, I've, it is. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. 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 It's too early in the morning for my brain. I'm sorry. Particularly for Latin. Yep. We have got Fermi online. Good morning, Fermi. Good morning. How are you? We're good. Yourself? Pretty good, thank you. It's such a beautiful, warm morning up here in Brisbane. Oh. 
<laughs> he just rubbed it in. Didn't he? Yes. Well, it's. I don't think we'd actually call it warm here, but it is going to be a good gardening day. It's a beautiful. Well, when we came into oh, the studio, I'm, I'm, it was beautiful. I'm, I'm sorry to be missing it, but we'll be back on. Um, I'll be back Monday, so that'll be it. Yeah. Time. Time to get in the garden and do some work. Sorry. It's time to get in the garden and do some work. It is, yes. I was gardening up until the day I left, I think. <laughs> so you can tell us about the Alpine Conference? Well, yeah, a little bit. Firstly, um, the the uh, website is a work in progress, so don't go looking for it yet. We hope to have it running um, in a couple of weeks, and then people can just type in uh, Victoria, uh, Alpine Garden Society Victorian Group, and it all should come up. Um, but I'll probably be able to, once it's um, uh, up and running, I'll be on 3CR to mention it. Excellent. Um, Jane has mentioned that we've got an international speaker, John Mitchell from the Edinburgh Botanic Garden. Sorry, I just wasn't sure whether I was allowed to yeah, announce and, um And so he's going to be giving two talks. Um, we've also got a uh, speaker from the Cranbourne Botanic Garden, so, you know, not to be, not to be sneezed at. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the topic is from the wild cultivation, basically, or gar garden collections. I, I can't remember the exact thing. Yeah, from the wild to cultivation, to I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, the thing is that it's, it, it's run by the Alpine Garden Society, but it's really a gardening conference. It's open to you know anybody who's interested in gardening, particularly you know, looking at how we bring plants in from the wild into a garden. And um, um, the other thing is that the morning is uh, talks, but the afternoon you get out and about. And uh, there are, uh, I think there's four or five different um, activities that you can be involved in. And as Jane said, one of them is to uh, have a tour of the, of the nursery. Uh, but there's also going to be a... Um, a crevice garden building workshop and uh, uh, planting up a trough and things like that. So uh, we're hoping... And making uh, troughs? Sorry? Making troughs? Uh, not making troughs because that really is a, a sort of a whole day activity uh, to do because uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to get them ready to be planted in the one day. Mm-hmm. Because there is somebody up in Olinda who makes fabulous troughs, has made a whole lot of troughs for herself. Hold on. Oh, God, my hearing's getting bad. I can't, because I can't have the phone on speaker, I can't um, actually hear sometimes what you're saying. I'll try and talk louder. Oh, I'm sorry for me, because if you have it on speaker, it, it gives us an it, awful reverberation. Yeah, that's, that's what I mm. thought, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, it'll be quite good. Um, it's not going to be that cheap. It's I'm probably going to be around. It'll be over the hundred dollar mark for non-members, and just below for members. And if you want to become a member, you can go to um, um, the, with the website when it's up and running, and you can join then. Um, but the um, the idea is that um, people have um, the Jane forgot to mention is that it actually starts with a plant sale. Ah, exciting. So, Isn't God 
just wanted to have a safe that I wasn't quite sure how much I was allowed to put out on rain. <laughs> well, <laughs> because yeah, you know, yeah. I thought about it last night, and I thought, well, I can't really um, message the president right now, can I? <laughs> Yes, I'm like sure me. she's awake and listening. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah look, the, the thing is that um, um, we'll start, it's because of the time constraints where, where the registration will open at 8 o'clock in the morning up in Mount Dandenong, and um, it'll start with the first hour. It's going to be once you register, you can go to the plant sale. You can then come into the hall the meeting area for the talk. We are limited. Um, it's a fairly finite uh, room. We, we really can't squeeze in more than 180 people. So, um, so yeah, that makes it quite an exclusive conference. Oh, well. Oh, Femi, um, do you know if there's any um, media passes available? <laughs> I'm... I'm don't know about that. I'll have to speak to the uh, subcommittee. I think you should talk to the subcommittee. <laughs> Ginny wants a ticket. <laughs> but, um, uh, but one of the things we are going to be offering is um, for horticultural students and, and um, I think, yeah, horticultural or botany students, I think we'll, we will be making some part, um, some the... Um, Subsidised passes for about, mm. well, no, no, not even subsidised. It's going to be there will be thirty places allocated for students. Excellent. And um, um, because part of what the Alpine Garden Society is is it's also a charity, and uh, part of our charitable work will be allowing for a certain number of places to be um, um, free for students. So that that's. That's sort of um, that's what where the the charity is basically buying their tickets. Yeah. So, well, um, well, we must let Chloe know that because yeah, yeah. Well, see, she's, that's, she's that's the thing we we need for. people. We we've offered things like this before in the, the previous conference, and we didn't have anybody respond because I don't think the word had gotten around to didn't. the students that they could come to a conference. Maybe they're just too busy doing studies. Yeah, but anyway. No, I think we have to make sure that we tell some people who are in the education horticultural field. And so obviously yes. we need yeah. to make sure we get, I don't know, John Rayner and Chloe and a few of these yeah. people so that some of those horticultural schools are covered. And yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing that this radio station can do. Because, yeah. I mean, there will be students listening now who didn't know. So yeah, that's well, good. So again, it's the twenty third like of September. I, like I said, the, the the website should be fully operational in a couple of weeks. I'll come online and um, I'll come on uh, CCR or send a text or something to say it's up and give the exact uh, address. And uh, hopefully, we'll get lots of responses. But as I said, it's the uh, uh, first one hundred and uh, fifty people and thirty students. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for that, Fermi. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Well, that's good. We've, we're a bit clearer. It sounds it'll be fun. It'll be. And of good course, fun. Cranbourne and yeah, South I'm just Melbourne. not sure of the 
um, person that's coming from Cranbourne. But they, but they are doing yeah. some absolutely mm. extraordinary wild collecting, mm. Cranbourne and Melbourne. So that's very, the botanic gardens. Mm. So that's very exciting because they are doing some really interesting yep. wild collecting. And I understand, you know, when Fermi says it's going to be expensive, but you're paying for somebody to come from overseas and things too um, in that. And... You know, we have to face it. Everything is getting... It's getting more and more expensive. And plus they have to pay for a venue and all that. And that's not cheap these days. We so. didn't mention the venue. I'm not sure. He did say Mount Dandenong. I I think it's sky high. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Which has separate function rooms and things. So um, I assume the, the function room that we've got is the one that holds the 180 people or whatever. But great venue for um, yes, fabulous view out over Melbourne. Yeah. Lots and lots of... Um, restaurants and things up the hills as well. I'm sure there's a, you know, lunch breaky type thing in amongst it all. Um, but you could could also go to Craig's having one of the workshops at his. So that's really good. And so. also uh, Craig will need someone to cover him. I might actually be working there so he can go to the conference because he won't want to be shutting his nursery. Yeah. Mm. Um, we've, we sort of were talking about needing to do that and he did say oh I don't mind or whatever but he'll be back there in the afternoon doing the workshop Workshop. stuff too so I'm sure he would love it if you I'll cover would help out yeah yeah because I know quite a lot of his plants it's one of the few nurseries I go into where I don't by any means know all of them I go and sometimes it's easy to take money (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly yeah, he just has to show me how to Yeah, so there's the some fun thing. stuff coming up, I think, in the gardening world. And and if it is sharing knowledge and talking about plants and everything, it can't get any better, I think. So. And so what else is coming up? There's the Mount Macedon. Yeah, when's that? That's the yeah. first weekend of October. Yeah, but I think it starts with Yay. Yay's the first oh, one. Yes. Yeah. So that's your first one coming up. That's our first yep. one, yeah. Yay. And when's that? Oh, I haven't got the dates <laughs> on that one. I don't oh any dates. We need that. <laughs> no, well, yeah. it, it's probably because it was further down the track. <laughs> yeah, because it goes, yeah, yay, Mount Macedon. Then there's one at uh, Lardner Park in Warrigal. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Yarra Valley. Yeah. So Do you movement. put that sort of stuff on your Instagram when it's we do, coming yeah. up and yeah, everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the dates, save yeah. the dates. So everybody follow Treasured Perennials on Instagram. Yep. And are you on yep. Facebook too? Yeah. Th- yeah, we are, um, yep. but we mostly, yeah, I think... Kerry well, anything you put it, yeah, on Instagram she, shares across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll probably, we've got everything sort of confirmed now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we can start probably putting the, yeah, so the dates it. and when and uh, yeah. where and when. Mm. And we were talking about before of, um, like, Ginny saying that it's great to be able to go to these sort of places and talk to Ben and Kerry because um, Kerry's just as knowledgeable too, you know. Mm. Absolutely. Having the both of them is a, is a fabulous tr- team. You know? A treasure. Um, so I think being able to go up and ask Ben a question and put a face to a name and all that, it, it becomes this more personal experience of, of purchasing something yummy for your garden. I I've think, just so. called it up. Yay yep. Garden <laughs> Expo, 17th and 18th of September, 9 till 3 both You've got days. some work to do, my friend. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we do. But you enjoy them, don't you? I do. It's nice to, to talk to people. Um, and you know, especially when you've got things that people have not seen before and, and sort of educating them. What's the uh, name of the Warrigal one? Uh, it's called Lardner Park. Uh, well, I think it's um, Home and Garden Expo. Uh, Expo Lardner Park. Yeah, yeah, Lardner Park, I think it is. Putting Garden Expo, Lardner Park, and I'm like, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then after after that is, or is Macedon before? Macedon is the first weekend of October. October. Yeah, so that's before, uh, just after Yay. Yep. It is. I think it's like two weeks after Yay. Okay. And that's a fabulous one because you get to go and have a look at some other gardens and things while you're up at Well, Stephen Ryan's up there. He's his nursery as well. So, yeah. Go and say hello to Stephen. Um, And Lardner Park is the 14th and 15th of October. So that's good. That means there's a few things. And, of course, the Yarra Valley one's always fabulous. Yeah, and I don't know the date. It's November. It's November, yeah. It is November, so we don't have to know the date for that yet. But I do know it. Sorry, Di, if you're listening, I didn't know exactly the date. I think it's the second weekend. But, anyway, we will Mm. make sure. So the fact is that there's these amazing spring shows and things coming up where you've you've got a chance to go and talk to people about plants and there can't be anything better than that. And also... Buy plants that are difficult mm. to find. Yep. You know, mm. the salvia society is always there mm. and they have the most extraordinary range of salvias. Well, I mean, sale. Ben and Kerry are uh, down in the back corner at the um, Yarra, the Yarra, Yarra Valley, Valley either autumn or mm. spring and you see the gates open and people just make a beeline. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they walk through the entire <laughs> event yeah. to it, get down to that it, bottom corner and then work their way back, back. which... And of course, I, I think if I was by the front gate, I'd be a bit like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but they so, all come back slowly. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, and, but it, it's great to see that because they know that the plants and stuff that Ben and Kerry have got are great. Are really like, interesting. I've seen you make a beeline, Jenny. It's <laughs> absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and we had of a course, few, last last one at the Yarra Valley. We we had a couple of plants that didn't even last twenty minutes. What was that? That was uh, one I, I've actually talked about it on the show. Mm. Here was uh, it was. Um, uh, was it Pinocanthus? Mm. Um, it's actually the, the blue hedgehog. Uh, oh. It's like a very similar, like a, like a salvia uh, in that red hot poker sort of shaped flower. Um, yeah, it didn't even last, not even 20 minutes. Great. And then Eremuris, we had Eremuris <laughs> there. And um, I think we posted that on, online. And they were all think, gone. Well, we sold seven, I think, within, I think, on, this is online or on Instagram uh, within the first hour. Mm. And we had to take extra. And I think we took like an extra three it was and they went within I think I don't know 20 minutes or something like that. and of course <laughs> White House, last. <laughs> Pete from White House Nurseries who's also on the show he's always quite close to you yeah, yeah. and, and amazing begonia setup he had there this year like the display was fabulous was just wasn't beautiful. it mm. yeah and he's good to talk to yes yeah. <laughs> yes he's another person who well I don't think there's anybody who comes on our, sh- our program who's not knowledgeable that's yeah. one of the things that is so wonderful about it it I was talking to Angus from the garden ex garden show, Angus, Angus Stewart, Stewart yeah. last night because he's going to come on the show now, mm. which I'm thrilled about. And I said, "Is there anyone you'd particularly like to be on with?" And he said, "No, they're all so interesting, and I don't know them all. It'll be excellent." Mm. And I thought, "Yeah, because oh. you get to meet people too." Yes, mm. right. yes, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. And so I, I, I think this is because of the range of people we have on. It is the best garden show in Australia. Mm. The other thing is I did a talk at a garden club um, Thursday night and I said to them, you know, so we were, I was talking, I had Oxalis as part of the, the talk and I said, and there's the one that Craig, um, that Stephen named after Craig. And I said, oh, you know, everyone knows Stephen Ryan, you can hear him on 3CR. And I said, does, everyone, does anyone listen to the 3CR gardening show and there's not one hand went up? So we need wow. everybody out there that's in a garden club, please let your club know or everyone tell a friend mm. because, as Ginny said, th- this show is fun and you do learn a lot of things. But I have been in the supermarket talking to whoever I'm with 
and somebody has turned around and said, oh, you're Virginia from 3CR. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got both. And mm. last that show two weeks ago where the, where we were binding the microphone up with with some um, sticky tape, we had somebody from England and somebody from Minnesota both contact us that they were listening to the show and really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So it's that absolute contradiction. Mm. You know, we've got international people listening, which I think is absolutely fabulous. There's a lot of people down in Tassie that listen too. Mm. When I was down there for another Garden Talk event, um, had several people come up and say, oh, I hear you on 3CR. And you're like, oh, okay. That's deep down in the Huon Valley. Yes. So, and, I, and um, of course, a lot of that is people who listen to the podcast, mm. which I must admit I do. Mm. As well, I listen to the. I mean, I, I'm gradually working through the ones that I was in South America for, because yep. the podcast is a fabulous way of of catching up. Mm. And I do quite a bit of driving backwards and forwards, you know, from down to the botanic gardens or whatever. If I drive in the afternoon, there's nothing I want to listen to on the radio, so I mm. podcast. I listen to the podcast, yep. mm. which makes sense, absolute sense. Yes. So, what else have do you we got? Want to talk about this one? Yes. Oh, I love that. That's in the botanic <laughs> gardens. I love that plant. Um, so we've got um, Canarina canariensis. So it's um, the national flower of the Canary Islands, um, uh, bellflower, canary bellflower. Um, it is a rambler rather than a climber. So it doesn't do that um, tendril thing or twining thing. It just sort of grows out and then will flop to the ground unless you let it grow up through a um, shrub or something. Um, but it can get to two to three metres tall and it has these amazing flared um, bells that are – how big do we reckon, kids? Um, they, they can get bigger than this too. Well, so, yeah, campanula, it's like flower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a large campanula. And they're generally um, orangey-red and then with deeper – um, dark veining that looks kind of like a really good mm. um, pinstripe suit, mm. I think. Yes. <laughs> it's very yes, bright and because, colourful. Because the um, veining is almost maroon, isn't yeah, it? Yes, mm. it's very, very striking. Um, the foliage itself is um, kind of like a cross between a delphinium and, um, help me out here, Ben, something else that it, kind of like a tomato leaf in 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 the long run, but the stems are really hollow. So when you're putting it to climb onto something, you sort of have to maybe tie it up at the bottom so that it can do its thing. Um, just make sure that you're not squeezing the stem because the stem is actually hollow on it. So they n- naturally flower through the end of um, autumn through into winter, so great thing for this time of the year. Dormant over the summer. Which is um, wonderful. Yeah. they As long as you remember where it's yeah. going. <laughs> and they like to be moist but not wet and frost protection. So if you're anywhere that's sort of very, very frosty, you probably need to grow it undercover. The one in um, the Botanic Gardens is growing in a sort of a rockery section and it's in shade. Yep. Not, not thick shade. Yep. But it is... In they they like that sort of filtered light mm. situation as well. Don't particularly like a full sun, afternoon sun, um, just burns the leaves because they're quite delicate, even though they look tough. They um, do look tough. They're quite delicate. Uh, yeah, so frost protection, afternoon dappled shade if you can, moist but not 
hugely wet. And then over the summer, even though they are dormant and warm and dry, just make sure that the pot doesn't dry out completely, that it's desiccating um, the tuber underneath, which looks a bit like a um, dahlia. But there's no reason not to put them in the garden. No, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, but in the as I said in the botanic gardens, they're on that um, along the river. Mm. That's the driest part of the garden. It's all it's very steep and facing north. Yep, dropping down all rocks. Mm. They're in that mm. section, and they um, as I said, they're underneath. I think think a peppercorn tree, and it just scrambles through. Yeah. And falls over the wall. With all these beautiful little orange bells. It is gorgeous. And they're not that little. Mm. I mean, they're Mm. a very reasonable size Mm. for a farmer. It just seems to be a little bit harder to come by in the nursery industry at the moment. And I very rarely see it. I think it's a fabulous thing. I mean, the Canary Islands are great. Like, Mm. they give us Echium wilpretii, you know, the big red Mm. two, three metre Echium. Um, There's so many beautiful things from the Canary Islands, I think. So if you look up Canary Island Bellflower, it's... And, and God, just give us the name again. Canarina. So C A N A R I N A, and then Canariensis. So Canarina. Mm. So it's, it is really fabulous, and it's worth. I'm going to look for it. I think mm. it's worth looking for because it's it it is very happy in the garden as long as you put a little bamboo stick or something yeah, where it, it is, so start. you remember it's mm. there over the summer. And mm. don't drown it with watering or something yeah. like that. Mm. I think it's a really beautiful flower. Mm. I'll quickly give out the number. The number, if you wish to ring us, you've got 15 minutes and then we're off, is 94198377. And ironically, we have had no text today. I have had so many texts and no phone calls recently, but today we haven't had the text, which is 0488. 809855. This is the 3CR Garden Show. I'm Virginia Hayward and with me are Ben Brooker and Jane Tonkin. Ben, another another flower, please. So another one I've got is a Genia Pacificana. Um, this one actually comes from the coastal areas of Japan. Um, it's in that Asteraceae mm-hmm. family. Um, nice hardy little plant too, so it'll handle dry conditions to even wet conditions. Um, but the foliage, when it's not flowering, I love the foliage. It has a sort of glauca sort of a foliage, but then you have this silver trim around the margin of the leaf. Yep. Um, and the it's very similar to like a like an oak leaf, very similar mm-hmm. to like that. Mm. And um, the flower is they're like it's in the Asteraceae family, so it is That's a, the daisy it's family. a daisy family. Uh, it's like a little button with like you know you'll have like yep. maybe fifty or sixty little little flowers in each little button. Um, and height, you're probably looking around about sort of. Pretty close to about sort of 50 centimetres in height and about a metre in width. It is a suckering plant too, so it will pop up, you know. It'll keep mm-hmm. sort of popping up in your garden. I love um, that. It's all about the foliage though, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. and keep it trimmed. Mm-hmm. So it, it will sort of sort of shape into a nice shape as well. So it does respond to pruning really well. And if you don't find it's getting too tall, you can prune it off to ground level. Because they will just reshoot, and from, it'll reshoot. From the ground, yeah. I think yeah. that is a wonderful thing to do every now and again. Just prune, if it'll take it, prune it right down, life. and you get yeah. you really yeah. do get a whole new plant out of it. Mm. So that one in the pot there is about as tall as it gets, Ben. No, it'll yeah. get bigger. Yep. Yeah. So that's only probably about thirty centimeters. So okay. yeah, about fifty, sort of sixty centimeters, depending on the location. 
yep. um, of it all. Like I if it's presume in a... because it's got these greyish leaves, it likes to be in the sun. Yeah, more sun the better. Mm. Yeah, and it is a coastal plant, so it will handle you know, mm. these sandy soils and um, in those dry conditions as Great. well. Yeah. Yes. And we unfortunately we're going back into more dry conditions, so we have to be mm. thinking Sorry, name about that. again. So a genia spell. So A J E N I A, I think it is. Yeah. Genia. A genia. A genia. Yeah. A J. Yeah. Because we have to be able to get let people look it up while we're talking yeah. to them. Yeah, but <laughs> so it's a beautiful plant. A like it, it is a nice specimen in the garden. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a bit of space for it, and you keep it clipped, and then yeah, this time of year it's. It's happily to flower for you. So. Is there a better time of year to prune it, so straight after the flowering, or can you do it any time? I'd probably tend to sort of more do it in spring. Yep. Yeah, because now it's the flowering season now. Yep. So, yeah, you want to let it sort of do its thing now. And, uh, yeah. If, and if there you... are some things that if, if you – I've just pruned one of my Montanoas, and I think back – and I've killed a Montanoa before by pruning it too early. Mm. Shouldn't have done that because if we do get a really cold snap – Having taken all the top off it, I leave it terribly exposed. Yeah. Uh, I think there are, I mean, there are some things that it's absolutely fine to prune any time. Yeah. When in doubt, my rule is prune after flowering. flowering. Yeah. If I don't actually know any rules on this plant. Yeah, or sometimes if it is a bit more of a delicate, leave the those flower dead spikes there and that helps protect it. Protect over it over the winter. Yeah, and then mm. come the end of winter, you just knock them back and, mm. yeah. As soon as you that, see that first sign of new shoots, that's when you just knock them back. Yeah. Yes, like um, some of the succulents now. Yeah, yeah. Are just coming, just coming up out of the soil. Yeah. Yes, which is always exciting. Yeah. Well, salvias are another good one. You said well, you wouldn't prune them too much now, would you? Depends which ones. I think I'm. Yeah. I am pruning um, some of them. Yeah. Because they're not really in flower. I, yeah. And I. I've got so many that if I miss a bit of flowering, but at least I've got it pruned because one of the things that happens is I leave them go for so long that they become really woody and messy mm. and then I'm in trouble. Yeah. So in, it's, a, it's a, a really difficult one. Sometimes you've just, you know, you've just got to give it a go because you will do it if you do it now and you won't do it if you leave it till... Yeah, yeah. I normally just wait till spring and then I knock my mm. salvies back. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, so. I'm knocking some of them back now. Yeah. Um, and my roses are in flower, or some of them. I've got about four roses giving me new flowers, which, yeah. excuse me, I'm meant to be pruning you. Well, I can't prune you, you're in flower. <laughs> so that's a bit confusing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. And so with the roses, some of them will get pruned because they really need it. In other ones, I tend to, I don't like this idea of pruning your roses right down. I, I've got a big garden. I need big plants in it. I don't want my roses to go back near the ground every year. I just take it back halfway. Yeah, I do. I, I, I prune them to give them more air so the air can go through when they're crossing over, things yep. like that. You know, that's all you need to do with To them, open yeah. up the middle. I don't yeah. prune them to get them down because no. for me that's not appropriate. For mm. other people, I'm sure it is. But mm. And I do the same with the salvias. Sometimes I just look at them. Just prune to shape. And think, right, you're looking a mess. Mm. And I'll just prune to wherever I can see new growth. Mm. And if I can see new growth, down it will go. Yep. And my rock roses, same. I've let them go too many years. They've got to be pruned this year. Mm. It's just, just it's, I've got too big a garden. So. It's never enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like it. Yeah. So, you know, I prune all through the winter. And as I've said, I've killed a Montanoa before by doing that. The yeah, other Montanoa I won't do. I yeah. won't prune it, no. Yeah. 
Yes, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> Pity. Pruned it yesterday. I think it's probably well protected where it is and it'll survive, but I won't move it, which is the other thing I have to do. Good thing this time of year, because if you've got citrus trees, because a lot of your oranges and your mandarins are sort of starting to form now, and even limes. So um, spray your fruit with boron and, uh, and milk and calcium. So actually this is the time to do it. Not the plant, just spray the fruit, because the fruit will actually exhort those minerals. And they're the minerals that actually that those plants will need. So citrus lacks boron? Uh, it helps fruiting, yeah. Mm. It's, a, it's a, a major mineral. For, for fruiting, yeah. Mm. People think, oh, potassium. Yes. Potassium governs. I always think potassium. Yeah, it actually governs fruit size, um, where boron is actually an essential element for, for help for, for making, to produce sugar. making and, the fruit itself. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and the same with calcium as well. Yeah, so calcium's another one. You want to well, just spray it, the fruit. When I th- when, if I've got milk that's gone off, I never put it down the sink. I take it out to the compost. Mm. I think, oh. We'll spray your plants with it. Mm. Yeah. And I spray my roses with milk and water be- mm. to try and change the pH so they don't get as fungal. Mm. Well, it'll absorb mm. the calcium out of it. Mm. Yeah. So, so the three synergists, uh, boron, calcium and silicate, they're all uh, – they, they govern uh, cell strength. So they all produce uh, a cell wall. They'll, they'll build a cell wall, make it thicker so it prevent, prevents a lot of those pathogens going into the plant. Uh, and then also stimulates new new cellular structure as well. So they're the three major mi- minerals that you need to... Sam again, Ben. So boron, um, calcium and silica. Well, it's you also, you, to, to purchase that online, you need to yeah, buy it as potassium silicate. That's mm-hmm. the actual soluble form, uh, soluble form. Potassium silicate. Potassium silicate, yeah. And you can buy that online. Um, and I was doing a bit of reading on how to... Because silicates, or it's everywhere in our soils. Uh, to help solubilise the, the the silica in our soil, if you actually fertigate fertigates like mix boron up in a um, in a watering can, and then the end of winter just just sprinkle that a little bit of that around. You don't want to dial it. Um, do you want to mix it up too strong? Um, just have it as a very sort of weak sort of dilution. Um, All the trace elements should be treated with care, shouldn't they? They should. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then spray that. Look, Pour, uh, sprinkle that all around the, on the soil, and that helps to uh, solubilise the, the boron. Uh, sorry, the, the silica in our soil. But you've got to do that in the end of winter. It won't do it throughout the, uh, the other like the other seasons. It's more toward the end of winter, start of spring. Uh, so it's a strange. It's one. well, it's and of course this is one of the reasons you test your pH, isn't it? Because the pH. Certain plants, we, we're always being told that um, our camellias, our azaleas, our rhododendrons our Daphnes, they want an acid soil. Now, the reason they want a pH on the acid side is because that is where they can absorb the elements. And if Mm. you put them into a very alkaline soil, they can't absorb the elements in the soil. Mm. And, of course, so many of your your broccoli, all those, they like an alkaline soil. Well, that's that's another interesting thing too. So if you have it more alkaline, so you you, uh, see nickel is in our soils or mostly in our soils. Um, and that's another major mineral, but in very small doses for part of the nitrogen cycle. So if it's more alkaline, that nickel is not available. So if you have it more acidic, then nickel is actually available for it. As long as you've got those organic amendments in the soil, then you'll have that nickel available. Um, I mean, there's other minerals that help the, um, 
the nitrogen cycle. I mean, there's sulfur, there's iron, um, uh, molybdenum is another major mineral, and that's all the whole process of uh, making that complex form of nitrogen. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, pH is a big thing. pH and, is but a I big think, thing, um, and it's not hard to check. And sugars in plants as well. So, um, if you can. A refractometer will determine. What you, the hell is a refractometer? refractometer? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you asked. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a. It reads sugars in a plant. Um, really, I, I think it should be available for for um, instead of like if you've got a pH kit, you should have a refractometer kit next to it, and it's just like a like a little telescope. That's all it is, and you put the the, the sap off the leaf on this uh, this little glass. Uh, sort of window um, and then you put this flap on top of it and you look through it towards the light and you have this reading so you have all these series of numbers um, and it'll tell you where your sugar levels are um, you know often you'll find uh, it's usually around about sort of five between five and ten but if you can get it up around about sort of you know 12 15 20 that's where you want to be with your sugar levels and uh so it's actually a very important part of a plant is your mm. sugars, so because that's all part of that complex form of your proteins and that in your, in your plant as well. And I, I honestly feel that it should be with your pH kit. So you do your pH, check your, your, um, sugars. your sugars in your mm. plant, because also with a refractometer, it can actually determine if your uh, calcium deficiency, because it's actually you'll see a, a line, and if the line's fuzzy really fuzzy, you know, you've got good calcium levels. If it's a, just a straight, crisp line, then you're deficient in calcium. And if you test your sugar levels of a night or of an afternoon, and the test of it in the morning, if they're both the same, then you're deficient in boron. But if they're different, if, they're, they're, if there's two different sort of readings, then you know you've got reasonable good levels of boron. Because mm. uh, boron's another mineral that opens and shuts a flap in your uh, phloem and xylem, which... Uh, your sugars will go down over night time. So if you test it over night time, your sugar level should be low. And then you test it again in the morning, then your sugar level should and be that higher. That should be again. the higher one. It should be yep. higher, yeah. Okay. So. Now, Kerry, who is outside in the kitchen here, has just sent me a text. <laughs> I got the Yay Festival wrong. It's September the 23rd and 24th this year, so I must have been merrily reading last year. Last year's one or something. Oh, dates. You wouldn't think it was so difficult. Um, so the first of our shows, we've got Yay, then Macedon, then the Alpine Conference, then Lardner Park, then the Yarra Valley. The first one is September the 23rd and 24th at Yay. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always it's, a good one. And there's a new one to start up is Whittlesea. Oh, yes, I forgot. Oh, so did you do that for the yeah, first time yeah, last that, year? Yeah, for yeah. the first time last year. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to do it again? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. So, Right, what we might do is actually try and put them all online. Mm. I'll, I'll sort them out and get them right instead mm. of reading last year's. So that's 23rd and 24th for yay this year. Thank you, Kerry. I have read your text. And, um, and I'll get them sorted and in order. And that's a good idea. I'll, People can plan. Yes, mm. and I'll put them up on our Facebook page so that it's all clear all together so you can choose which ones you really want to try and, and we'll get. We'll put it up on our Instagram as well. Excellent. Yeah. And... Is, there will be a Fernie Creek event somewhere, won't yeah, there? Yeah, in uh, there's a spring show as well. I'm just not sure of the dates yes, of that. Yes, so either. I'll put yeah, that so, in yeah, to yeah. make sure I get that, I'll, and I'll put them all up because otherwise, you always find out that this brilliant show was on last weekend. Mm. Yeah, and you, and Yay is such a fabulous place to go. 
It's a great pity. drive. It's a yeah. fabulous drive. It's yeah. beautiful around there. They always have open gardens attached to it and they're mm. lovely gardens. So we we must make sure we keep people informed about yay. I, I miss it. I missed it last year. Not I missed it because I couldn't help it last year. I think I got COVID. So that mm. put the kibosh on me going mm. anywhere. But it's really, <coughs> excuse me, it is really, really worth it. It is. And so can I just remind everybody also that today there is a walk at the Geelong Botanic Gardens at 2pm, Discover the Fern Glade. So that is also really worth worth doing. Go and rub up against the, uh, the tree ferns and get the magnesium out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I'd bother very much with that, but nevertheless, I don't want to be dull. Very, very quickly, Jane, that red thing. Can we have a okay one um, minute chat? Just one minute that? chat about um, summer into autumn flowering species gladiolus. Uh, so the red one I've got in front of me is a delenii, um, which is one of the ones that they bred all of the big day medna uh, gladys from. So it's crossed with something like uh, Gladiolus papilio. So most Gladiolus are endemic to southern Africa, but not all. Um, it just brings that sort of spring feel to your autumn garden with bulbs and things. So be on the lookout for some summer growing species Gladiolus. Um, you can find a couple of those on our website at the moment too. Um, but just a beautiful bright red um, Gladi for a nice wintry day is good. And there is something very special about species gladioli. Mm. Yes. Okay, gang, that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed your, the show today with Jane Tonkin and Ben Brooker, and I hope you'll come back next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 